Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Almost Made It podcast. Uh, we're very lucky this week, not because we've got Matt, he's here every week, but we have uh, a very good friend, Frankie Brilla, the under-18s head coach of Melbourne City. So a bit of a big deal. Yeah. Bit starstruck, here we are. <laughs> he's a young Pep Guardiola, they told me. Young Pep. <laughs> he's also uh, Matt's teammate at the moment. Yeah. So he's not he's, a bad player, he's, I guess. He's a captain, too. <laughs> Captain Fantastic. So, welcome That's Frankie. the first lie you've told. Not a, not a bad player. That's the first lie. He's good. Not bad. I'll take the young Pep Guardiola. Take that one. But That's what your brother told me. So <laughs> I'm going to stick with it. How are we? Good. Thanks for having me, boys. Right. No uh, how'd you sleep? Last night, amazing. Yeah? Amazing. 10 hours sleep. against the wind, I was, That's right. I was running <laughs> in 35 degree winds. and Yeah. Shoot, oh, I slept like it. a baby. Yeah. Like a baby. <laughs> A baby. Hey, cut that. Cut that one. Let's start from the start, like we always do. Where did your story in football uh, begin? Obviously, being a player, when did coaching come into it? Let's hear it. Um, There's no real magical story, to be honest. Um, I was primary school with a good friend of mine, and actually, probably knowing Danny Shabani. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of people know, yeah. know him. He used to come to my every day. He used to go yeah, yeah. to school across the road. Yeah, this kid was everywhere. He was always at my <laughs> Everyone knows. Every, every time I tell this story, I just t- say his name. Everyone knows him. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, he was, um, we were like really close in primary school. I think we would have been grade one or prep or whatever. And uh, he was playing for North City Lions at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'd never played in my life. I mean, I played like a, you know, at the park and stuff like that with my brother, but. Um, he invited me to come down to North City and went down and I was the worst player in the team for four years but we were good friends so <laughs> I stayed as, uh, yeah, nice as part of that team yeah. bench warmer for a little while there <laughs> took me four years to, to score a goal um, fuck what a feeling that would have been yeah it was, was alright it wasn't bad um, still can't score a goal these days. <laughs> nothing's changed don't know much about that feeling but no that's, that's pretty much how it started for me and then I played um, we had his uh, like we had a, a really serious coach who was was quite good mm-hmm. um, but yeah not that it was very important for me because I was never good anyway but um, the team was a successful team um, and he taught us all the fundamentals and then from there just went bounced around to different clubs um, started playing seniors at well I didn't make the cut at Moreland City actually to make the jump from 16s to 18s because that's always a, still mm-hmm. a thing now you have to make that jump mm-hmm. and I was a little player didn't make that jump Went to go, was considered quitting to be honest, but then went to go play for Moreland Wolves, which was a state three club. And uh, state three was state state three back then. Like it was, yeah, now there's NPL yeah, and everything yeah, like that, but back yeah. then it was decent. Yeah. It was yeah. decent. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, went to play there for an under 18s team. Um, and then uh, ended up getting picked up by the Resis and then the seniors, like really quickly. So got that early exposure to senior football, mm-hmm. which was, was really good. Um, and uh, yeah, then from there, went actually back to Moulin City for a season and uh, told myself that I was going to make the seniors as quickly as I could. During that time at Moulin Wolves, um, I was starting to help out coaching because just something I was interested in. Yeah. Um, studying psychology in high school and um, it was always just something that I was good at. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd always try to, even in my friendship group, I was always the one organizing things. Yeah. Um, when I was playing the game, I was never the big physical quick player. Was always the one that had to try to analyze things, study things, to try to be successful. So, brain. had to use my brain. Yeah. So I always wanted to learn more and more about the game, and coaching was my my way of, I guess, practicing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, from there, I met uh, Carlos Dressler, who's founded the RFI Academy, and uh, he founded that at Moreland Wolves. So then started coaching from him, and he opened up a whole new world for me in terms yeah. of football. Tell like, us a bit about 
RFI when you were involved, what it what it meant for a player to, to try and develop? Like, what was the philosophy? It was just a whole new level of, like, detail in football mm-hmm. for me. Um, and it was, uh, like, for philosophically, it was something I never even considered, which was something like, you know, really hardcore player development, yeah. which was something, yeah, I never had a coach for me that paid that much attention mm-hmm. than what he was paying for seven, eight-year-olds, which yeah. was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden, I started to reflect on my own game in the detail that he'd reflect on these kids with. But that was so interesting for me. So um, obviously continued to, to work with him, stayed on as an assistant for a couple of years, but then uh, got a team, then was taking two teams. And all the while I was playing. And uh, once I started to take teams, it became hard to manage playing and coaching. Um, Carlos always wanted me to give up playing you knew I was never a player <laughs> what a mate. but yeah I know but then I spoke to other people and I still speak to people today yeah. that tell me to keep playing keep no playing. matter what keep playing yeah because you can always learn something of course. you know 100%. you know in saying that would you did you always think you'd get into coaching or as you then got that role did that really spark you know your passion for it yeah, yeah. that probably sparked it that and probably sparked it for sure yeah. but I could have seen myself potentially being a teacher yeah mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. it was all I was always that person that's very um patient yeah. good communicator you know good with other people um mm-hmm. i think patience was the key i was yeah. always a patient person I'm very approachable with, could young talk kids. with young kids it yeah. worked yeah it obviously works so you need to you need to have it you I've, know? I've got to say too like not to give him big hit, but <laughs> i was frankly's assistant for all of what two months or something that's right yeah, uh, yeah. on and off <laughs> yeah when i first got back from europe i had nothing so frankie i got in touch with frankie and he's like come be my assistant in rfi and i really enjoyed it for a bit and i've got to say man like this man knows what he's doing. Like he's unbelievable at his job. So I just want to say that. Thanks, but Alan. Before coaching, just step, taking a step back, was there a moment that you thought like, "I want to be a footballer"? Was that ever a dream for you, or was it just, "Nah, I'm gonna go down the the coaching path"? Or did you ever have a bigger dream? Maybe you know, as a kid, everyone does, mm. and then the reality so- kind of hit you. But I had did have a really good season at Moreland City uh, when I was, I think I was 19. Um, but for me, I don't think I don't think the the dream was hardcore enough. It wasn't I wasn't ambitious enough with it, yeah, yeah. and that was probably my shortfall. Then the other thing was my mindset, which is something I focus on a lot with my players, was nowhere near where it needed to be. Yeah. I was very critical of myself, and I had the highest expectations for my performance, mm-hmm. but I could never deal with that. You know, I could never deal with the weight of those expectations. I never played a good game, in my opinion. Yeah, when I was course. when I was that age, now I play yesterday and I played atrocious. But I go home and go, yeah, you know, I did some things well. Yeah, and my yeah, mindset's yeah. a lot better. If I had those skills at that age, yeah. you know, so that was kind of my shortfall. I was always my biggest critic. Mm-hmm. You can't when you've got adversity from everywhere, from where I was coaches, players. And I spent uh, six months at North Sunshine Eagles. The crowd's there and stuff oh, like, yeah. you know, they're crazy and you're competing with other people. And yeah. there were good people that supported me there too, but... It's adversity from all angles. It's trying to, and internally, you need to be your biggest supporter, your biggest fan. Definitely. And I wasn't that. Um, so, I, yeah, my, my career kind of fell short. I always would always find the easy way out. I left Moreland City because uh, we, they got promoted. The coach had a chat with me and said that I might have to spend some time playing 21s. Now, like I knew at the time I was better than that. Mm-hmm. But instead of going and having that mental strength and saying, I'm going to battle it out in 21s and prove him wrong. Yeah. I went and uh, tried to find another club, yeah. you know, and that was one of the biggest mistakes I made, to be honest. So yeah. then I went to North Sunshine Eagles, spent six months there, kept battling, kept battling, kept battling. Then there was a game that was like comical. 
um, that made me leave there because mm-hmm. it was like we played against South Melbourne in the cup. Yeah. South Melbourne powerhouse, still the best that you know that yeah, they are yeah. today. Um, and they were four 0 up halftime against us. We we're playing at at their stadium, Bob Jane Stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to get on because I was on the bench. I really wanted to get on, and we concede five, six, second half. I'm like, I'm not going to get on, like you know, because yeah. I genuinely had this belief in myself that I was going to go on and do well. Yeah. Trying to crack into the team, training hard, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, uses two of his subs, and there's me and the, and the reserve goalkeeper. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I told you the stories before. No, but, I haven't yeah. heard this. Anyway. 15 minutes to go, still like determined, switched on, focused. Subs the goalkeeper. Oh, that's where he's taking the piss. I was like, Are you yeah. <laughs> no, I would have walked off <laughs> there, man. So that oh, game there, yeah. that was like, no, no, I had no, a lot no. of people come to watch like family and stuff and that was really embarrassing yeah, in front of family for them to watch that because uh, they came down, I didn't end up getting on, obviously, he was the three subs. Keeper can see so another two. Part, what a that, prick. That, you know what nah, mean? he was a good guy. He was a good no, guy. He, he spoke to me. He spoke to me. On the Tuesday, I told him I was going to go. He was like, look, yeah, I got see that. I got that wrong. I don't want you to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see you later. See you later. Yeah, shit. Get out of here. No, no. He's like, uh, yeah, look, I got that wrong. Yeah. You know, I can understand how you feel. I really want yeah. you to stay. Yeah. Then he messaged me a couple of weeks later saying, this is after I dropped down a few levels. I went to go play back in, you know, the, the lower levels just to have a kick because I'd miss playing so much because sub for so long. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Called me a few weeks later and just said we've got all these injuries. You actually would have been playing mm-hmm. now, but uh, yeah, it was what it was. Yeah. I was also honestly, I wanted to touch on the point of the mental side because I can, I know I can relate as well. The hardness on yourself and all that because I know we're exactly the same. Even now, still playing like where we're playing, I still am hard yeah. on myself. It's just something that mm-hmm. you got to try and find the balance, I guess. But for you, say now that you've gone through that, you're older, you're working with younger kids. What would be sort of an advice for a younger kid? Back, let's say we rewind back. What would you? How would you approach it differently? Do you know, like yeah. tips and stuff that you've learned. For sure, it, everyone has to be their biggest fan. Yeah, you you have to be your biggest supporter, your biggest fan. Some people have that person for them. Yeah, you know, a parent that comes to watch. Some people, some people have a parent that comes to watch that actually hammers them. So yeah, it's yeah, the right, opposite. Right. But yeah. um, you you need to be that yourself because you don't know when you're going to be on your own and you're going to have adversity from everywhere. So, um, and then there's uh, I learn a lot from. There's actually one sports psychologist Dan Abrams who's fantastic his content is mm-hmm. awesome and I've read his books and stuff like that and he's he's really good with that information mm-hmm. uh, and it's all about um, you know the the things that you tell yourself you know because human nature we want to tell ourselves negative things yeah. straight away we go to the negative things straight away you know when we do something we're critical of it I mean a lot of people are different a lot of people have that that ego and you know uh, a mindset where you know it's never their fault or anything yeah. like that but anyone that's done well at anything is probably critical of themselves because yeah. they, they try to learn exactly yeah. right. so um, it's a, just about rearranging those thoughts like you know yesterday I'm hammering myself about all these missed headers that I had exactly flight of the ball was terrible 35 degree gale force winds you know mm-hmm. so that's how I deal with it I could have done better I know I could have done better yeah. but you know I, I still have that support for myself do yeah. you know this is a bit random but that sort of mindset so I was reading a little bit more into that right because obviously like Matt we've had our mental struggles you know coming back all the rest of, course, of from Europe you, or whatever you expect so much from yourself and yeah you- and I started reading a little bit more now I know this is a little bit off topic sort of thing on where that comes from as like a human right and apparently we have it wired into us <coughs> to be negative isn't it from the caveman days yes yeah. so basically like back then it was about survival yeah right and it was always like What's the worst thing that can happen? Like, yeah, if, I, if I go us, in this yeah, cave, yeah. Yeah. am I going to come out alive? Yeah. You know, yeah. sort of thing. So, it makes yeah. sense, yeah. but the way like humans have evolved yeah. and the traits we've like kept. But it's funny how it still 
sticks yeah. around. But yeah. There's a way that I've written it up for myself for when I approach players. Mm-hmm. And I think about um, the expectations they put on themselves yeah. and then their coping skills. And there's four different types for me. Uh, there's the players with super high expectations for themselves, low coping skills. And that was yeah. me. Yeah. You know, I couldn't deal. I had these expectations I was expected the most, but I couldn't deal with it. Mm-hmm. So what did that mean? What did I need from a coach? I needed someone to reassure me I was doing well, to help me build those coaching skills, to not lower my expectations because expectations yeah. are good. Mm-hmm. You don't want players to expect little of no, themselves. Of course, yeah. Then you've got obviously all the other types that have a different approach. You know, you've yeah. got the, the types where kids, you know, can deal with a lot. You know, but they don't take themselves seriously. They don't have yeah. expectations for themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the you need to raise those. You know, you need to go and speak to them and mm-hmm. tell them you can actually achieve this. Mm-hmm. I believe you can Definitely. achieve this. You know, and what you're doing right now, you're not really testing yourself. So raise those expectations. And yeah, so it's kind of that's something that I've kind of thought about, and I take an approach to every player that I coach. Well, I think that's really important that you exactly. treat everyone differently exactly. because you got 22 players, let's say, and. Me, Ali, your coaching, we might have different personalities. I might need to kick up the ass. He might need a bit of like, you know, yeah. love, you know? So I think that's very important that I know when we grew up, oh. coaches weren't like that. No. Yeah. And, and that's a big thing, I think, that kids the other days, they actually have the benefit of people like yourself that can teach them those things. I was just about, exactly yeah. about to say the same thing. And also another thing I used to I look at now is like in football, you can never be take the highs too high and the lows too low. I mm. feel like it's very important to keep like an... Yeah. very balanced like yeah mindset in terms of you know because one day you might be up there and then tomorrow or next week you're there so it's important i think it's football yeah. is, is like that's a mindset that uh, arsene wenger says it perfect he just says tenacity is the most important thing yeah. in football yeah. i don't know you've probably seen that quote yeah, before definitely so true yeah it's over the long term 100 percent because emotions are always going to go up and down yeah. there's got to be something more that keeps you going exactly right you know but yeah so um looking up at your wikipedia page yeah <laughs> Um, no way! <laughs> I have a Wikipedia page. Yeah, I found it. <laughs> um, you've had some coaching experience overseas as well, so we wanted to touch on that. Uh, where did you go? How did you find it? Let's start there. Where yeah. did you go? So it came up with um, uh, the RFI teams going on the Spain tours. Um, so the plan was for them to go around Spain and play against different opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I decided to stay on with Carlos, my mentor, who's, he lives in Spain. Um, so the teams went, went around and they, they competed. They played against um, teams that were technically a lot worse than them. A lot worse. Yeah. Uh, tactically, like, you know, I, I doubt they'd had the same tactical preparation that we had. Mm-hmm. But they would get all that from the culture there. Um, and then um, physically, we were probably better as well. But these teams would smash us. It was ridiculous. It was the craziest thing. It was the yeah. biggest eye-opener for me, for sure. Yeah. Especially me as like a young player. I was, I would say I was so soft as a player. Until I went there, I didn't realize how soft I was. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Until I saw 11-year-olds there going at it, I was like, shit. Like, yeah, I reckon yeah. that 11-year-old could actually kick the shit out of me. <laughs> but so it was an, an appreciation for the game that, that yeah. I learned when I went over there. And that's what it was. And for the Aussie kids as well that went over, they learned that too. Mm-hmm. That, you know, there's that other side to the game that you can prepare all of this, but... You can still get your ass kicked if you don't do all that. Was that like the the culture shock for you, or was there something else as well that really just opened your eyes? You're like, shit. That was probably it. And it, there was a lot of lessons that I took from there. The biggest one was that aggression side of the game, mm-hmm. that fight. Um, but it gave me confidence in the fact that I could create that in players as well. That they didn't need. I mean, the context helps when you've got someone fighting against you. Of, of course. course, you fight too. Yeah. yeah. And here, a lot of the time, the reality is we don't have people fighting against us because mm-hmm. games that still finish. 10 nil, 15 nil, and all that. Like yeah. the, the structure of our competitions exactly. here 
It's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, 100%. So, but you can still create that in people, yeah. you know, and because everyone has that in them, there's no, we're not any different to the people over there biologically, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. you know, we're the same people. It's just that mentality. Um, mentality, yeah, yeah which exactly. can be created, it can be found within everyone because everyone has a fight or flight response. Yeah. So it can be brought out in anyone. Yeah. That was another key takeaway. And then the other one was that, you know, I was expecting to see like, tactical detail in the coaches and impressive and performances from the coaches and everything like that yeah. and when I'm over there I didn't see it at all mm. at all you know I saw the same the same thing as here really mm. the same thing you know and that like because I'd grown up to well not grown up but Carlos had taught me to believe that we were inferior here in terms of coaches and yeah. whatever you mm. know but going over there um, that gave me a lot of confidence to be honest mm-hmm. seeing what the level was like there mm-hmm. I didn't feel like they were that different yeah. they, to be honest they carried on a lot a lot of the people there, they're similar to the coaches that we would have been brought up with. They just shouted and yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But there, they're, they're, it's okay in the of culture course. to swear at kids yeah, 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 and yeah. to go off and to lose your shit. Yeah. And um, when I saw that, I realized that, yeah, like I didn't, you know, it gave, it gave me that confidence to think that, yeah. you know, I can I can still do this. You know, I could mm-hmm. see myself coaching there. So, yeah. and then, uh, yeah, once the tour finished, uh, Carlos was at Getafe at the time. He was working as a scout there. But he had access to training and stuff like that. So I'd go in and watch training sessions, not interfere or anything, mm-hmm. meet people, if, you know, just be polite, but um, just go and watch training and took so many notes and stuff like that and was going to watch as many, because there's open sessions all the yeah, time yeah, there. Yeah. Crazy. Like, yeah. you, can you couldn't do that yet. So much, no, you yeah. know? But you could go and watch Rayo Vallecano, pretty easy. Uh, Leganes, pretty easy. Um, yeah, lots of different teams. You could just go into their training. Yeah, get up there as well. Yeah. Like get up there. I was sitting there, and the players are come walking past so me. I was sitting there having a, <laughs> yeah. a coffee in the cafe, and I was <laughs> yeah. like, "These are pro players. Like so, I'm, yeah. I'm just a member of the public from yeah. Australia. They don't yeah. even know." But like, yeah, no idea. Yeah. So that would have taught you like so much, just like seeing it up front. And what were some of the things? Actually, I wanted to ask you, if you had to pinpoint, that's a broad question. What do you think needs to improve here dramatically to sort of bridge the gap? Let's say. In your opinion, or well, is there a gap? Is there a gap? Or what, in your opinion, for football in this country to like to raise to the next level, what do you think? Sorry, just on that as well. Do you know what I mean? We've we've always been a firm believer, and we've had it drilled into us that up until around sixteen, we can match it yeah. with yeah. Europe, right? Yeah. But then something happens, yeah. and we, we saw it to, firsthand. Exactly, when we go yeah. to senior football, something happens. Yeah. yeah. What's like your? Sorry, this is a massive question. <coughs> yeah, but no, no. A broad your question. opinion on this whole <laughs> sort of yeah topic with de- development and getting into senior football I suppose well what becomes important after 16 is competing yeah. mm-hmm. players have to know how to compete at that age and mm-hmm. the reality is for us we can match it with the younger ages why because we're technically good enough yeah. we're the same the same people mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we're technically good enough we're uh, physically good enough it's the same but when it comes to competing if we haven't had that experience which we haven't yeah. because the structure of our competitions is like I said like it's terrible it is, it it's is. terrible um, the best is not playing the best yeah. and it's been the same thing for I mean I've been coaching for 12 years now the same thing for 12 years yeah, it's the same thing like it doesn't has it not improved I mean they've done this tier system with the NPL but these first 10, 10 games that we've had or we're going to have Definitely. Six, 6 now to this point we've had 3 games that have been over 15 nil. and these are the under most, 18 these are the most talented players for their age in the state playing at Melbourne City mm-hmm. And they've got games that are a complete waste of time. Literally. Nothing against their opposition. Yeah, of course. No, no, no. And they, they shouldn't be exposed to it either. Exactly. They, they should have a better level of competition for themselves because yeah. they don't get anything out of that too. Exactly. But um, that's the biggest problem. It's across all ages and it's just all a mess and it's all a disaster. And we come from like 
you know, uh, when we were younger, there was the Super League. Yeah, yeah. Better time for yeah. football, I would say, in this country oh, yeah, at that time. For sure. Um, and that was uh, that's that's the number one. That's the number one thing for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's one thing that when people ask us about our overseas experience, uh, the first thing that I say as well is like, you walk into like a senior change room here or something, and you notice compared to overseas the the seriousness and a training session is not just a piss take. Let's say here people go to training. It's like oh. There, each session, each five or so, you want to win. You want to compete. You want that position. You know, it's that mentality, I think, that really sets things apart. And you notice it when you're there. Yeah. And I think that's what you're touching on is is huge, huge. Yeah. Kids, hopefully, can now start to understand that because people like yourself are coaching them with that mentality from a young age because mm. it's huge. If you yeah. don't compete, for me, like you said, if you don't have that fight and you don't want to win, you don't have that mentality... That's, you could yeah. be the most talented player going around, but there's going to be a time when that's not going to get you far enough. That's definitely the thing I took away as well. You prepare for training as you would a game. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you need to listen definitely. to your music, whatever. Everyone's in the change rooms. It's quiet before a training session. Everyone's getting People ready. After that, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, the, for me, that was the biggest takeaway as well. And it's hard to recreate that. Yeah. It's so hard to recreate that. Especially when you're yeah. winning 18-0. Absolutely. Because yeah. you think, like, what's the point? Like, yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's been very difficult for us. We've started to set individual challenges in games, and exactly. um, there was at one point where the players were, they, I, from my opinion, they weren't getting enough adversity because adversity is good, healthy, it drives exactly. people forward, you know, yeah. to cope with adversity. And there was three games on the trot we won, scored like fifteen goals and won by this incredible margin. The players were full of themselves; they were wrapped. So every yeah. time I was addressing them or speaking with, I was like, challenge, 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 yeah. challenge, stretch, stretch, stretch. Came to the point of three weeks where I was like, I've been so negative with these kids yeah. <laughs> for like three, four weeks. I'm but, just they must think I just started. Yeah, with them. of course. Must think I'm the most neat, but I was like, this is what they need. Like, of course. So at one point we just won another game of 15 goals. And I just boys look like, well done. Like what you guys have done, you know, continue to do even though the adversity is not there. Yeah. To still go and push yourselves and, and drive yourselves mm-hmm. when there's no opposition, you're, you're kind of. You're challenging yourselves against yourselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you've done it for three or four weeks now. Just yeah. you know, yeah, well done. But um, it's yeah. What what do you do though? Like, Almost yeah. like better training. <laughs> yeah, oh, the like, training. Yeah. The training is so straight important. out. Like as in, if you're not if you're winning fifth annually every week, it's almost like you're getting more of your training sessions. Yeah, is because you can actually yeah. challenge each other. Yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. like you said, what Absolutely. can you do? <laughs> that, that's it. You create the context of yeah. training. Exactly. The context they're not yeah. getting on the weekend. Um, you just you created that training, yeah. you know. And is you, it is it like is it working mentally for them? Do they switch on and think? You know what I mean. It's, it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. It no, it's not the same. Yeah. Today we played against uh, Dandy City, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I hope none of my players listen to this. But <laughs> 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 we set up a kickoff set piece. Really? Yeah. yeah, the Napoli one. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The Napoli yeah. Sassuolo. Yeah. yeah, all the play. Yeah. yeah. So we spoke about it during the week. They were buzzing. They wanted to try it. Yeah. Showed them in the pre-match today the clip yeah. of it. They loved it. Yeah. So go kick it off. Set it to the centre back. Centre back sets it for the other one. The other one didn't react. Or they just miscommunicated. Striker runs through, takes the ball, goes and scores. <laughs> one nil down, ten seconds. <laughs> and then it was like Dandy City, like hostile place to be. Yeah, of you course. know, the boy, oh, they, their oh, players yeah. were g'd up and whatever. Yeah. So one nil down, we scored the last kick of the game to win the game two one. Oh, but that was like a game. That was. Yeah, a yeah. But that's what game. you probably that's need. What that's what we need. The adversity going down. That was down. so good. That was so good for them. And you, and you see in that game, good performers and bad performers, and you know, not just technical flaws in the players you see you know character flaws exactly. in the players and you see exactly. or he didn't step up in this moment or he pulled out there 
or he didn't arise to that challenge or he lost his head and got yellow cut. So this is what they need to be able yeah. to learn to compete, yeah. you know? You, so. you would have known more about your plays in that game than you have all season. Absolutely. Because exactly. that's when they learn. Absolutely. That, that actually reminded me of something, that little story there. The, is that the free kick? No. Yeah, I so we, <laughs> yeah. we were playing together at, at Northcote back in the day and we used to work on a, on a free kick. We used to work on like a, on a set, We had a, a lot of set, set pieces. Piece. Yeah. And this was like number three or something, right? And we played this Frankie. I don't know how many times we've done this. This was a pack at Darabin as well, I yeah. remember. I think it was against South Melbourne. Yeah, it was. It was Big game. And looked at Matt, like, we're going to do it. So it was me and Matt and Tommy DeMellis, if yeah, you're watching, Helen. Um, <laughs> and it was one where, like, someone steps over the ball, he makes a run around the wall, and you just play him through. Like a decoy. And, and someone's thing, yeah. looking like they're, t- they're taking the shot. So I was the guy pretending to take the shot. And Matty had to play it into Tommy, yeah. right? As Tommy had to run in. over the ball, but yeah. <laughs> so we're like, all right, we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it. Yeah, everyone, you know, do the nod. Yeah, we're gonna do it. Number three, number three. All right, yeah, we're we'll G up finally. finally. We're gonna <laughs> do, do it. We're gonna do it finally after how <laughs> fucking long. <laughs> Tommy goes to run over the ball, falls over the ball, right? Man, he locked. He studs. studs. Yeah, he so studs. Touch the it's ball. In yeah. It's in play. It's bobbling, and he's running straight. So he hasn't even looked back. <laughs> and then Matt literally just drills the ball straight in the back of him. Then all panic. Mark, because he touched it, and then obviously the the ball's in place, so the wall's coming out. And I'm so like, you had to do something. Oh my fuck! What do I do? So I'm trying to play to him, and I will just crack the strength of the back of him. And, and then like we comedy, copped, fucking it, copped it on the counter as well. Alan's like the, losing it uh, on the side. We're trying to run back. Like, what the fuck just happened? But oh my god! It's, it's, uh, yeah, you could have brought it back a better memory than that. But Sometimes you know. these things are, are better <laughs> on paper, huh? Yeah, just yeah, yeah, better yeah, on paper. Leave it to Napoli, yeah. Yeah, I reckon too. Sometimes you're. Um, next sort of question I want to get into have you has it, have you had a moment where you like look at a player so far in your coaching career especially at Melbourne City as well I'm sure you come across many talented players yeah. do you look at someone and you just know they're special like is there yeah. do you get that a lot here yeah for sure and I use that word and I don't, but I don't use that word often yeah. but when I use that word people know that mm-hmm. this is this is serious um, and, what, yeah. and what do you do with them sorry as well Prefer him to Melbourne City. Yeah, <laughs> get him there. Get him yeah. that, that environment. It's just, yeah. it's the best environment in the country. Yeah. The way I see, it. I, d- I don't know the ones in other states, but yeah. I can't see him being as good as this. This is just a top environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you you can see it. You can see it for sure. Yeah. But what's like the, say someone in the I don't know the 18s, you look at this kid and you're like, wow, he's special. What's the what's the next steps as a footballer? So they playing in Melbourne City. How does he go then into the next level? At Melbourne City, there's a pathway there, mm-hmm. you know. Um, there's a It's a big pathway because there's also the, the option with their partner clubs to go overseas. Yeah, yeah. But that pathway is very, very real to go all the way through to A-League from Melbourne City because we've got now uh, the 21s playing in a reserve league, NPL 2. Mm-hmm. Um, not doing great at the moment. Okay. <laughs> the, the, not the reserve team, the first team. I think they're struggling, but yeah. um, that's because they're all 18, 19 years old. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but uh, the under 21s, which are kids that are mostly born in 2006, so they're turning 17 this year, mm-hmm. are playing under 21s reserve football. The under 23s, which are mostly kids, I would say born in 2005, maybe some 2004s, sometimes an A-League player drops down, mm-hmm. and they're playing senior football in MPL 2. And then uh, obviously the more exceptional ones already training with of the course. A-League and yeah. doing things like that and sitting on the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, they might do a bit of both and there's a mixture between the two. Yeah. Yeah. But that that pathway is there for them yeah that's so important when we were younger there was nothing yeah yeah also touching on that you know you said some will train with the first team like the a-league team and then 
So if they're on the bench, do they also play like under 23s? Yeah, they can do both. So they yeah. actually get game time every Yeah, week, yeah, no they just manage, they manage it. So that, yeah. see, that's another thing that's mm. unbelievable. Because you know, like sometimes when you're pushing between reserves and first team, you might sit on the bench for the first team, but then you don't play. And you're always on the bench playing 10 minute cameos, but yeah. being able to then go and play still and have yeah. that first team experience. And play senior football. It's huge. Yeah. And so play important. senior football, NPL2 football. So you're, like it's not like you're dropping. When we didn't play seniors, we played reserves. Yeah. It, was exactly. dog, it was dog shit. Exactly. You know? But this is like, okay, well, you're not playing so A-League, important. but you're playing still senior football, NPL2 as maybe a 19-year-old, exactly. you know? That's so and you've been part of the match they scored with like an A-League team. It's just yeah. that whole experience. And then I think when you do break into that team, it's not like, oh, fuck, I'm yeah. the first team. It's like, oh, I've been here, done that. Yeah. And now I just play my football. Just I'm confident and yeah. ready to go. I think that's very a very good pathway. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, speaking about development, the whole we've spoken about this before did you think the Socceroos getting as far as they did in the World Cup was good or bad for Australian football development see I'm a like for football development it was bad okay. it was bad yeah, but agree, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah I'm different to you guys because that game 2006 World Cup where Italy played Australia yeah we were cheering for different sides, I think. <laughs> we got off Australia. <laughs> Get out, man. <laughs> well, I started the game. That was the game for, I think, any Italian-Australian where you decided. That was the game. I, I honestly agree with that because yeah. it was like split down the middle for so many yeah. people. But I started that game. I was going for Italy. Yeah. I was like, yeah. yeah. But then by the end of the game, really? I, I swear yeah. to God, it was the wow. craziest thing ever. But at the start of the game, I was like, yeah, like Italy, Italy. But then... End of the game, I found myself cheering, and then when that, we conceded that penalty, when Australia, I you was also. I was shattered. <laughs> I didn't even realize till after I was like, "Shit, I started this game going for Italy," yeah, but that's yeah. when I guess everyone kind of realized. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel so, like that Socceroos team, but it was like, is the only like not that I've ever really gone for Socceroos, but that was the only Socceroos team where I was actually like, "All right, there's some good no, players." They, in were, they were good. You know what I mean? Where I was like, "Yeah, yeah that's decent." But look, now, I don't know, I just find it very hard to... But that team was, was a good team. That was our golden generation. That's what we call you it. You had yeah. half of the most of them playing in Europe. Oh, yeah. top leagues in Europe yeah. as well, every week, playing consistently. But, um, but yeah. that was the thing with that game. Like, uh, Sorry, with uh, the World Cup. The World mm. Cup for development, yeah. it was... Definitely. No, nah, it wasn't good. Because it gave us a false sense of where exactly we're at. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly just what we Just threw a blanket over everything, really. Yeah. So, then in your opinion, what's gone wrong? I know this is we could talk for yeah hours here, but if you Say could the sort main, of the yeah main. the main yeah it's hard to yeah to summarize it honestly in mm-hmm. a short time. There's a lot that's happened. Mm-hmm. The introduction of the A League and the removal of NSL mm-hmm. um, that that was a big thing. That was a big thing because NSL clubs were completely different to the current system now. Yeah, NSL clubs had ex players, uh, people involved in the club exactly. that would go and coach an under eights, under nines team. Yeah. And they would put everything into that because they knew that those players would one day represent their club. Exactly. Melbourne Knights coach 100%. wouldn't, you know, or a Melbourne Knights player, he didn't have to leave his club, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they, everyone, it was, they were communities and they used to put exactly. everything into their community and yeah. you had a, a, a big number of places that were doing that across the city. Yeah. And yeah. so then when they were playing against each other, it was, com- it was competitive. So you had people that were investing a lot and, you know, not just in terms of people but also resources in their youth mm-hmm. and then uh, you had good competition and that was the, the you know that created the the recipe for those players to come and yeah. rise to the top yeah. so at the moment we don't have that we don't somewhere like a, a, let's say a Georgie's does well to invest in a player at under eights um, you know 
Western United takes him. Yeah. yeah. yeah what does Georgie's get? Yeah. What does that person that was an ex-player at Georgie's that decided to coach and put his hand up and stay back at Georgie's and coach the under eights, then take him to under nines, take him to under tens. He gets a, a, an incredible feeling of gratification for himself that he helped this player, but that's it. But that's it yeah. And the reality is football is, you can't expect everyone to be like that. Yeah, exactly. That, that's a philosophical thing and you can't expect everyone to go and just do that for gratification, you know? Um, hard, and that's the people that are doing it these days massive appreciation for any coach yeah. you know because that's that's why they're doing it they're literally doing it out of gratification Definitely. some aren't that's another problem yeah that's another wrong reason they're doing it for yeah. wins <laughs> at eight nine ten years old yeah. that tournament win and that's how they get their gratification yeah, yeah. not seeing their play it's like they're living their dream through they're living their dream through the kid yeah. and they get that feeling and that positive yeah. energy through yeah. you know yeah. them getting the win of and course. but it's it's a it's a short term it's of not a long-term approach for the player and so there's a lot of them out there too I should say. I feel like the A League like almost like mate, took football back like fifteen years now. Now it's just like it was going okay with the NSL, but mm. now it's just like starting from scratch again. Because but I was watching um what they've done. Yeah, I don't know. We we always cop it here football in the in the media. That's yeah. a massive problem, and, and that's another. That's thing. a massive problem. Huge. And I'm I'm one big believer of like I genuinely believe there's an agenda to not 100%. push football up there because realistically, not whether you whether you're a football fan or not. The scale and the scores of the sport, it's always going to be like a yeah. dominant sport. No matter which country, it's just the world. You can't look, you're never going to, it's just the way it is. Yeah. And it's like even like comparing AFL to footy, uh, to football or whatever. But it's just like, I think AFL know that it's football would just take over. And not, not it's not a hit at or a knock at AFL at all. It's just the pure size and global capacity of, of football yeah and i feel like the media there isn't there is a, an agenda against against football whether yeah. it is negative and even when the world cup's on it should be front page of everything so socceroos in Argent, against argentina in a quarter finals around the 16 whatever Huge. it was and it wasn't Huge. like it's not even that well advertised whereas yeah. you look at another country like obviously we were living in italy and the whole country stops because for football, you got nonnas there, 89 year olds that are watching the game, talking about the game. And yeah. it's like, you have to build that. Everyone should be stopping to watch the Socceroos, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, 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 but it doesn't happen. So yeah. that's another problem. I no, think that, that soccer bashing yeah. is huge. It's, <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's really bad. And it's founded on racism. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Because soccer was the Wogs game. Yeah, definitely. And people were like, you know, I was speaking to my nonna the other day, I never, he never told me his story, but he got bashed, you know, by an Aussie. Soccer? No, just by an Aussie, like back in the day, like, you know, he's walking down, the, when he first came here, he goes, this is how bad it was, you know. 100%. They used to happen all the time. They used to get jumped because yeah. they were the immigrants, you yeah. know. So soccer was their sport. So it was always good to yeah. bash soccer when, you know, oh, it's soccer, people at it again. Yeah, but, yeah, and now the way they do it is yeah. whenever we do, whenever something happens in the sport, mm-hmm. they make it front page news. They make it, they over, you know, over exaggerated to make it look terrible. Yeah. Your, your evil twins are Melbourne victory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but it's true. It's a perfect but then, example. Remember Richmond won the grand final? Yeah. These are, I remember, Pun Road, there was oh. Aussies and all that. Well, nothing against like Aussies, but you know, Aussie fans on top of the roof, they were ripping flares, signs down. Oh, the Richmond fans having the time of their lives after Richmond break the premiership drought. Then you, you do that to Logan Street. You're at 2020. Hooligans, yeah. wogs, this, that, that, that burn yeah. the street down. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like, come on, man. Yeah. Look, just neutral, do it from a neutral perspective. Yeah, no. Nah. And call it for how it is. Not, but the media is the media. Like, let's not go into that. Yeah. Because they're all full of shit. No, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. Do you think the, um, the whole thing revolving around the culture in the NSL, removing that out of football, was bad for the sport? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. 
for sure. Yeah, but it started with it started with that because we used yeah. to get a bad rap. Yeah, um, and NSL clubs were the heart of that because they were so passionate. Mm. The byproduct of that passion was the things that used to happen, and I was I was never around for that. Exactly, I, I went to think a couple yeah. NSL games in my life, you know, because I was only young. Definitely, but um, yeah, just speaking with people and being around the sport and the way people speak about how it used to be, mm. you know, and ex- their experience of going to games and really loving it and buying Definitely. into their club, and you don't ha- you don't have that. You see, even the footage, like yeah. it's crazy, like crazy. Yeah. and and I think I don't understand that notion of like taking the culture out of it because. Football is a worldwide sport. That's the beauty of football mm. that people associate. Like, let's say the Croatians associate with Melbourne Knights, like almost like a community. It is. Yeah. It's not only just a football club. It's it's where they all gathered. You know, yeah. when they first migrated. Same as like Brunswick Juventus, Melbourne Knight. I'm um, sorry, South Melbourne and all that. All these big clubs. So, but then you look at like a Melbourne Victory or a Central Coast. Like, it's just a whole like state. Who's actually connects to that? You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's not that yeah. connection as a fan. Whereas for me, it's like I've never really associated with an A League team. Because of that, because I'm like, well, I don't really have any affiliation with him. Yeah, Whereas, yeah. like, if I was like growing up in Essendon, like maybe Essendon Triestina, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's not, you know what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. from yeah. there, you know that yeah. it's not. There's a bit of more connection, that, a community. The, the, the words you're using are perfect. Yeah. Association, connection. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect way to explain it because that's what a fan yeah. is to a, a club. Correct. You know, and Definitely. the club needs to sometimes there's a connection because of history, mm-hmm. because of family, because of, of culture. Because of nationality, yeah, and they but just ripped that away. Yeah, they, that, that well, that was the connections because yeah. the clubs were founded on that. Exactly, you right. know, and they took that they took that access to the top division away from them, mm-hmm. so they took away a lot of resources from these clubs. Yeah, definitely. And then obviously the, the but I mean, there's other ways to connect with fans. I believe there's other ways. Of course. And the challenge that we have is doing that. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, the A League's doing the best they can to try to connect with new generation of fans. I think the best way to connect with fans is by representing them on the pitch. Mm-hmm. You have to do that because yeah, mm-hmm. that's another way of representation in terms of football, yeah. and that's what that's why I go for Arsenal, you know, because I was an intelligent, young, skillful player. You know, I was never the big brute, whatever. But yeah, definitely. the football that Arsenal Wenger played and the way that team played, that I connected with that. Exactly right. You know that I associated with that, mm-hmm. and and okay. so that I wanted to go for the team and support that team. You know, because there was an idea and an identity there that connected with me. Definitely. So there's other ways for us to do that. So um, you're saying by playing beautiful football that's how we can connect with say Melbourne City absolutely and to be yeah. fair you're not wrong because out of all the A-League especially in the last few years not because you're here I'm not just going to like say Melbourne City but generally that's why I would, if I had to watch an A-League club I'd watch Melbourne City yeah. because they tried to play that free-flowing football at Melbourne, Manchester City play yeah. there was that sort of you know this is what we stand for this yeah. is how we're going to play yeah. no matter what yeah. so I'd watch them whereas mm. then you turn on the game like nothing against Central Coast or Brisbane Raw but it'd be a fucking dog shit like yeah. I'd be like man I'd rather go watch like City G match yeah. you know what I mean for the quality wise yeah. but it's like that you're right that is something that for us few football purists I think we can relate to in a different way instead of just like you know the passion of the fans or whatever yeah. but it has to it has to has look to, good it does exactly. there's no lie there's no yeah. for people like you that are football people definitely that you're not gonna and there's like you said there's no other connection there so it true. has to look good and it has to it has to represent you mm. you know you definitely. have to see a player there or a passage exactly. of play there or the way of going about things that you go yeah that's the way you exactly. know and there, then there was a a tiny bit of time before Melbourne City when it was Melbourne Heart. Yeah, we used to go. Where we we resonated with the fans, right? Because they were all sort of like our age at the time, you know, footballers. We had so many friends like 
all over Victoria. They used to go watch Melbourne Heart. And it was almost like, because everyone used to go for victory, you wanted to be different. You wanted to be different. You know, and, and that was that good, the, the active support, yeah. you know, the flares and all the rest of it. We love it. You know us now. We're still yeah. a bit crazy. But, and then that got taken away as well, like the banners and all that. And then it was just another kick in the... It's like Western it like, Sydney. They had a yeah, really good exactly, atmosphere. Yeah, exactly, them as well. Like, I also watched the Western Sydney game just to see like what T4 they would bring out. Yeah. You know what I mean? There was a bit of that going on. And that's gone as well. And it started go for, reaching you know, like, like, globally. Yeah. yeah. Now, I mean, they've just torn that out. Atmosphere's a massive thing. Atmosphere. But know. I really like what you said, though. Yeah. About resonating with the actual yeah. football. It's an interesting yeah. way to look at it. Yeah. Never thought of it in that no. way. But that, like, yeah. look, I mean, yeah. What you guys are saying about the atmosphere is huge. It's huge. And... Um, you're right they take it like it feels like anytime some sort of active support gets going yeah they they drop it down and it's because of i mean i don't know the real reason there's got to yeah, be bigger reasons be at a higher level oh, but i just see the soccer bashing yeah. and i think that how careful you have to be around a soccer game to to not end up on the main you know on the front page of the newspaper like you're basically walking on eggshells you're walking yeah. on eggshells yeah. you know exactly. but as young kids and whatever like people go for the atmosphere yeah. So you hammer that and then people don't want to go because they go into the stadium and there's not that vibe and that feeling there. So it's exactly. Exactly it's right. that's that's something that we've always been at odds with and you know, uh yeah. It is it's one of those things we could talk about all day, but yeah, yeah, yeah. there's so many little things that mm. just a little change could make such a big difference. Yeah. Like yeah. just a little simple thing like that, allowing the fans to express yeah. themselves. Yeah. And you know, show their passion towards their team, yeah. it would be huge. Yeah. Um if you sort of had to pick the feeling that makes you sort of so the proudest to be a coach well like what's the best feeling being a coach for you what gives you the most satisfaction it's um it's probably the relationships with players mm-hmm. yeah when you when you build a relationship with a player and you can you know because through a strong relationship you can really genuinely help someone there's mm-hmm. helping someone on a superficial level and yeah. I shouted at him you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, yeah he picked up his game yeah, yeah, but yeah. then there's proper building a relationship with someone getting to know them and you know you being vulnerable with them them being vulnerable with you so that you learn everything about them and then helping them on their path and that's that's yeah that's what i aim to do jesus so much that we don't even think about (laughs) like we just rock up play the game go home these poor guys man (laughs) well i've seen it now just being a part of frank like with you at meadow park like the other night in training when you brought in those clips and stuff and like You just, I'm just thinking like you go through them and all that and the way you're thinking and it's like, I'll go to training exactly, I'll just rock up. <laughs> and then I'm like, on, yeah. then you look at Frankie's like going over there, but it's unbelievable because I'm playing there, but I'm learning as well. Mm. Even I'm still learning, like, you know, yeah. having had all these experiences and I think that's so important and it's good to see that there's people out there like yourself because I know when we were like that age, besides when we had Alan, let's say, mm. there wasn't much out there. So no. it's good to hear that. Yeah, so the line- in the right direction. On that, uh, the relationship side, like the, the last team that I had was the Green Gully team. Oh, yeah. The yeah. under 15s. Yeah. I had them for two years, had them for 14s and 15s. Yeah. And uh, the Melbourne City role came up, a full time role, not the one that I was doing now, but another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had to leave that team. And oh, it Could actually, be. it was because I'd never been in that deep with a team yeah. and, and with the players as individuals. Mm-hmm. And to leave them and to step away was oh, incredibly difficult because the players were kind of like, yeah what now and I still stay in touch with a lot of them today That's but it right, was kind of like what now like you were helping and I was kind of like yeah. the only way I could cover it, it was like yeah. boys you've you know you're on your own journey now you know you're, you're prepared like you I've you know prepared you as much as I could 
now you guys so go kind of flying your own sort of that's thing. It. Yeah. That's it. That's but it. But I guess you might cross paths because football is one of those things. Like, funny, that's yeah. right. You know, in the end of five years' time, you might cross paths and yeah. help them or coach them in, in a role, which is that's football is a very small world like that. Yeah. I just think like we we speak about player management a lot, and it's easy to to speak about it when you don't have to do it. Yeah. yeah. I just think it's amazing how you can pick someone out and say he needs this, mm. he needs this. It's he a needs skill. This. I it's think it's one of the most important skills as a manager, aside tactics, to get the best out of a player. If mm. you can play it, manage them, yeah. and know when that what they need at the right sort of times. Is it is um, it a lot different with the age groups? Like now that you're coaching under 18s compared to when you were at RFI coaching younger age groups, do you look out for the same things, or is it a little bit different now? Um, it's a lot harder with mm. older age groups because kids, you can. Kids, you know, they respond to authority. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're an authority figure, they'll respect you. Definitely. Whereas as people get older, you know, they, they have to like someone. They, they have to, has to be that mutual respect. Definitely. So you have to, if you're not a good person, like I've had coaches in the past where I, of it doesn't course. matter what he said to me and how yeah, true it yeah, was, yeah. I was like, I'm not fucking doing that yeah. because you said it. Because yeah. <laughs> 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 it came out of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> so, true. so it has to be, yeah, you have to, you have to manage those relationships. They have to, they have to like you. Um, well, not like it. They have to respect, respect you because yeah, you might do things that they don't they like. like but they have to. There has to be that mutual respect. That's the difficulty with the older ages. And then it's. Yeah, and then I think as they get older too, they've got the like they've their bad habits have sort of become habits. So it's harder to get that out of them. Exactly. You yeah. know, like when you've grown up, say you've got a player from thirteen, you've evolved him in that mentality. When he gets to nineteen, it's like he's sort of primed and ready to go. But if you just get a nineteen-year-old that's being badly coached for seven years and is an ego driven it's so hard to get that shit out of them I think yeah. but what, what's what's better for you a player that's maybe not as technically gifted but mentally has the right headspace to to grow or a technically really gifted player but his mindset's terrible wow. I don't think I can favour one they're two they're two different challenges mm. um, they're two different people yeah I, honestly I would yeah there's obviously different ways to deal with them to, mm-hmm. with them both um, and they've got different needs, but now nah, look, that's something that I face. Mm-hmm. I face at the moment. Yeah. You know, that's something that I've Definitely. you you come across all the time. I've never really, yeah. I don't think the approach changes. To be honest, while they might have different needs, it's still just um, developing them really as a person. So my my main philosophy is yeah. that um, what you can do is irrelevant to me. Mm-hmm. You know what you can do now. That's that's it's secondary. You know, it's all about who you are. Because who you are determines what you're going to be able to do in the future. Of course. So with every player, it's about, okay, what type of person are you? You know, So there could be an incredibly technical gifted player, but has no desire to improve. That's the most important. We, yeah, need, to, we need to address that. Yeah. You know, Then there could be a player that's not so technically gifted with the same desire not to improve. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the starting point. That's the starting point. That got yeah, me so uh, right in the feels, that one. Because <laughs> it's true, man. Like In Italy, like that's what it was about. Like, as much, yeah, football, you live, breathe it, whatever. You go to training, it's all full on. But it's about being a good person. Hmm. Yeah, for, that's the philosophy. I think it's very important because the one, what is it, one, two percent are going to make it? Hmm. What happens after? What about exactly? Not only that, look, you said that desire, that drive, then he might become a businessman. That's right. He can yeah. bring that mentality into that, you know? So it's a whole life thing. On this topic, a good person, though, I think that idea of a good person here is flawed. Yeah. Like in Australia, a good person is a nice person. Yeah, yeah, of course. Exactly. You've got to have so that. There's... I won't say the word. But... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you yeah. can say the word. You told me before I can yeah, say it. You've got to have a bit of c- 
We just lost Spotify. All right, wait, <laughs> I'll say it, but I don't nah, know the rules. We, These days, everyone's going to get right. offended. So, yeah. no, nah, look, he's going to listen to this, but your cousin and me, that was a perfect example. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to listen to this, but that <laughs> man is uh, what Maddie said. You yeah, but yeah. I've got so much respect for him. Sure. Yeah, because yeah. there's different definitions of what a good person is. But most Australians <laughs> look at him and go, he's a. He's a yeah, yeah. But, but he's straight down the line. Like, he'll tell you what he's thinking. But he's, he's honest. He's honest. Yeah, exactly right. He's honest. He knows what he wants. Mm, exactly. He's very clear. And. Like that's the thing. Like uh, with Australia, everyone's trying to be nice it's so all the true. time, and it doesn't mean you're a bad person if you're not nice. No, that's, that's the, right. That's exactly. Emotion, well, if you yeah. want something, exactly, you know, and someone's standing away or someone's not doing the right thing, exactly, you can't just stand by and be nice. Hundred percent. You know, like if if uh, well, this is how, you know, things in some societies have gone terrible to terrible places because people were doing wrong things and everyone was trying to be nice about it and not yeah. not stand up and not rebel. Exactly. So. Yeah, that's uh, definitely being a good person and developing someone as a person is 100%. not teaching them to be nice to everyone all the time. No, it's it's more dynamic than that. And yeah, exactly. It's important in life, and then it goes back to football as well. I remember our coaches always used to say to a whole team, "You're too nice. Yeah. You're too nice. You're too nice." And, and we didn't realize until we went literally. We went there and we're like, "We are too nice." And it, and it's a thing that you realize, like you said, in, it's in life. Like you can't just be that nice guy there because if you want something, you're gonna get walked all over. And it doesn't mean you have to be a prick. Yeah. But it means you know what you want, you know what you stand for, and, and you adhere to those things. Yeah, I know we could speak all day about these things, but <laughs> there's probably one thing I wanted to maybe finish it off with. Mm. So, what the? Where do you see Frankie in like maybe ten years? What's your What's the your goal? dream yeah. as a coach? Like, what would be your ultimate goal and dream as a coach? Barcelona head coach. <laughs> like, do you aspire to? Is that one of your aspirations? Nah, look, I get asked this all the time, to, to go and to I'm the most yeah. unambitious person in terms of my nah, goals. Come on, man. I really am. I really am. Have you ever thought about something that you think would well, be great? Would you love to maybe take a team of Melbourne City overseas or something? I don't know if the possibility came. Yeah, maybe but, even but, short term. Like, we're yeah. going to Singapore actually okay. in okay, April. We are yeah. taking a team. But um, now, nah, look, uh, there's two missions for mine for me, and the one one is to help the players. Um, and and help them develop as people, um, and help them to reach their full potential. Any player that you know I'm responsible for, mm-hmm. I'm going to do that with them and do the best that I can. At. And that's always been my mission. And you know that's my approach from the start. It was never about my own success. It was never about my own career. Ever since RFI and well, meta, you know, Moreland Wolves and those under eights, it was always mm-hmm. about how can I help these kids. And then mm-hmm. on to the next thing, and on to the next thing. But it was always the same as how can I help these these players. So I think that's always going to be my approach. And then. Uh, another mission that I've got is to improve things here. And that's always from the start as well. It's one of the reasons I got involved with RFI because I saw another side and um, you know I saw what that was doing for the broader football community. And um, even right. even now with the team that I've got, um, trying to push them and stretch them and and to push them to a level that they've never been to before is about progressing the game here for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of my missions about if they can achieve another level, then they're going to raise the level for everyone, and that'll hopefully improve things here. Um, but that's kind of my two missions. The third one is for me to, to continue to have experience, continue to learn yeah. about the game. Yeah. So for there, like I'd, I'd love to go overseas mm-hmm. again and yeah. have a role over there. Yeah. That'd be something that that for sure would open my eyes to to another level of you know strategy and ideas and Definitely. philosophy. Yeah. Um, but it's not for the sake of me landing a. Yeah, of course. It'd just be an unbelievable experience for yourself and yeah. what you want to do. This Maybe Man- a- Manchester City might come come knocking the other things. You never know. If you're winning 18 nil every week, then yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's amazing. But yeah. like, it's a bit romantic for me, you know? <laughs> honestly, because yeah, part of what we do 
yeah. like why we do it is the same sort of thing you do on a different sort of aspect. We, we focus on the culture side of things, right? But we would love to improve football in this country, hmm. whether it's off the pitch, on the pitch, everything revol- revolving around the ball. Right? You're on the pitch, maybe we're off the pitch. Making it easier but, for people like when we were young. Yeah. That don't have to go through the bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that we went through and yeah. like the, just to play football, it was like always a mission, you know, or to mm. get that experience or opportunity. Whereas, man, we wanted to make it accessible to the young generation. Yeah. It to makes worry. me, honestly, it makes yeah. me so happy that you said what 100%. you did. 100%. So I'm yeah. very happy that you're sitting here saying those things. And if I have kids one day that want to play football, <laughs> they're going to this man right here. Yeah, academy, I might be in Italy. Even better. <laughs> as soon as I kick the ball, they're leaving here. If it's, if it's still shit like it is now, are you kidding me? When do you expect to have kids, bro? It's still going to not be great when you have kids. So, I don't know, but... Nah, probably, look, I mean, kids are 50 old. <laughs> look, I mean, I'm, I, I hope things improve. I'm do everything I can, to, yeah. but things are not improving. Nah, they're not improving. I think it's gone back. Well, I don't want to start yeah. now again, but... I'll do you know how I judge it? I mean, people look at the A-League and stuff yeah. like that, but I judge it on youth tournaments. When mm-hmm. I go down to a youth tournament yeah. and I see... The way teams play, yeah, because the way teams play is a representation of Before how they're being taught. developed. Exactly, that's it. That's you know they say it all the time. Like overseas, they say it all the time. You're like, don't judge a coach on his sessions or his ideas or the way he talk. Judging by his team's performance on the pitch, yeah. the way the yeah. people, the way the kids act, yeah. the way they play, exactly. the way that they you know respond to certain situations. And at the moment, it's it's bad, and it has been bad since you know I, I first started coaching. I still go down to, and look and watch and see teams play and it's unbearable to watch whereas you'd watch an RFI team back in the day exactly yeah. and it was like people would come up to me after the game be like that was the bit like that was incredible <laughs> like they'd sure. love it they'd love yeah, the way the teams yeah. and, and that's the power of you know a style of so play true. and an idea and good coaching yeah. is you see that representation on the pitch and you can connect with it people connect with it exactly. Yeah, exactly. so that's the power of it yeah so. what a chat yep what a chat. Could be a, keep going all day. We actually might, might, have actually. To, might have to get you on for another one, actually. But I think I'll speak for us both. We're pretty lucky to have mm-hmm. you in, in involved in football. Um, Definitely. It's refreshing to have someone like you with your mentality um, that actually cares because it's hard to, to come exactly. by. And you're in it for the right reasons. Exactly. Especially with youth development, which for me is the biggest issue in this country, mm-hmm. revolving football. So. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you, boys. Thanks yeah, for having it's me. Been it's been a pleasure. pleasure. This is, of all the podcasts I've been on, this has been. Uh, <laughs> I've only you been on your two. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've only ever been on a podcast with you guys, what but but hey, it's been it's been the best podcast I've ever been on. Yeah, And keep doing what you're doing, boys. Nah, I, was, I was listening to some of the other ones. Thanks. Some good stuff. And, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, you're not just being lost, but thank you. Um, <laughs> So thanks for listening, guys. Make sure you follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts from. Um, Chuck us a follow on Instagram, everything Mm -hmm. else, all the other socials. And we'll see you next week. Ciao. Ciao, Bruce.